0: Hey, we're on a series called Pray. We've been a couple of weeks in this and we've been examining prayer. A couple weeks ago, I encouraged you, dads especially, to begin to, if you don't do this already, begin to lead your families in prayer as you sit down to eat a meal. Very important, it's a basic thing you can do. Um, I grew up with that. My dad always would, we would stop and, and he would lead us in prayer. As I said, it didn't matter if we were at Pizza Hut or if we were at home, that's what we did. And it taught me some very important things. Um, but uh, uh, I realize not everybody does that. Some people are a little uh, maybe hesitant to do that, but it's important because it makes an important statement for yourself and for your kids. There was a, a farmer who was traveling through, had some business to do in uh, in a city, and so he stopped in. After he got his business done, he stopped in to get lunch. He sat down in a restaurant, and uh, the food was served to him, and before he started eating, as he always did, he bowed his head to pray. There's a couple teenagers sitting near him. One of them saw him praying, looked over, kind of snickered, said, Hey, pops, where you come from, does everyone stop to pray before they eat? And the farmer shot back very quickly and said, No, not everyone. The hogs don't. Okay. Yeah, praying, praying, amen, right. Praying uh, before a meal is important. It says, Thank you, God recognize that my provision comes from God. It teaches your family, your kids, some important things. So I would encourage you again to do that. Um, Always kind of think that because I grew up, uh, and of course my kids will do this at times where people do just start eating before praying, you know. I don't tell them they remind me of the hogs. But okay, here's the deal. The truth is we all got to learn to pray. We do. We've got to learn to build that into our lives. So important that we have a strong connection to our God. As I've been talking through this series, you know, the first week, two weeks ago, we learned how prayer works. Um, so many of us kind of maybe lob prayers up, at, up to God in his direction, praying to the big man upstairs, hoping he hears us. We don't really know. We're not really sure how it works or if he's listening. And that's kind of how we pray. And I said, listen, we need to move into a place of certainty by faith that God is here in our prayers and we know that. You don't have to walk in uncertainty and doubt as to whether or not God is here in your prayers. You can know that He is. So the first week we learned that prayer works. We pray to God the Father. We have access to God the Father who reigns supreme over all, all that is. And so we have access to His throne room. We can come to Him and pray directly to Him without any in between. Okay. And the reason we can do that, we can talk to the Father, is that we pray through the Son. So Jesus, the Son of God, came to the earth, took on a human body, lived on this earth, right? He uh, demonstrated power over sin. He went to a cruel cross. He suffered and died. The reason he did that was to pay for the sins of the world, of all humanity. So in his sacrifice, we have the opportunity to have forgiveness of our sins, The Bible teaches us when we put our trust in Jesus, what he did on the cross for us, when we do that, we are made right or justified before God. And so no longer does God see us in and through our sin, but he sees us as forgiven and made right. So now that broken relationship because of our sin is healed and fixed. It's restored. So now we have access to God the Father. We can talk to him. We can pray to him. So remember we pray to the Father through the Son and it's by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that we're able to access God. He carries our prayers. And so you're not just lobbing a prayer up into the sky hoping it gets through. When you pray in the supernatural spiritual realm there is a lot going on. Uh, it's a powerful uh, process when we pray. And so it's important to know that. It gives us certainty and confidence that God the Father is gonna hear our prayers. So when we pray, we can pray with power. We need to learn and grow in our ability to pray. Last week, we looked at prayer blockers. It's true that before we know Jesus, before we put our trust in him, our prayers, there's an uncertainty that we can have as to whether or not our prayers are getting through. We don't know God. When we put our trust in him, we put our faith in him, we get to walk with him, then our prayers do get through. But there are things, there are behaviors, activities, sin that can enter our lives that can block our prayers. And it isn't that God doesn't hear our prayers. It's that sin affects us. And that sin slows down the relationship, the connection with God. And so it hampers it. It damages it. Right? If we begin to, um, or if we're walking in a way where we're dishonoring others, is one of the prayer blockers. We need to fix that. Honor inside of our marriages, inside of our churches, inside of our uh, places of business. Right? Right? We're told to honor and to treat others with honor. It's very important. God says if you don't do that, if you treat others with dishonor, you're going to block your prayers. They're going to be hindered. We also looked at how wrong motives can affect our prayers. James teaches us if we pray out of selfish desires, that's all we're praying for, that our prayers can be hindered or blocked. It's not correct. Our hearts are not in the right place. And then we looked at how if we have unforgiveness in our lives, our relationships with others are broken, damaged fragmented that's going to affect our prayer life the reason being guys is that again where we're at where our heart is at affects the connection with God it is not a problem on his end the problem is on our end and so um, we've been learning this right and so we understand how prayer works through relationship with Jesus and we uh, we understand what we need to do to get the things out of our lives to ensure that our relationship with God stays strong and connected so that our prayers are effective. This week, we're looking at the, the gift and the very important um, aspect of prayer that we need to engage in, which is called intercessory prayer. Interceding for others. Interceding for the world around us. God pulls us in to a relationship with him. He teaches us about who we are, who he is, and then he begins to share with us, give us an opportunity to engage in the work he's doing in the world. If your prayers are typically, tend to be about things you're struggling with, things that you need, problems that you have, if that's how your prayers are are structured, and that's typically what you're praying about, I want to encourage you that you can go to a different level. You can begin to pray for the needs of the world around you. It's good that you're praying for your issues. I don't want to discourage that. I'm just saying there's another step. You can be involved in engaging in the spiritual war that is going on in the supernatural realm in our world. You can become a part of that. And as you learn and grow in an understanding of what God is doing, the areas in which he's asking you to intercede and to pray for others and the issues in the world, then you can begin to align your heart with God's heart. You can begin to care about what God's doing. And honestly, you'll move away from as much of a concern for the physical world you live in, and you'll begin to see and engage in the spiritual battle. This is important. You need to make this step in your life. You need to move in this direction. Some of you go, yeah, I've been doing that a long time, Pastor. Okay, well, you can step it up a little bit. There's growth we can all enjoy and appreciate and experience. But if you're not doing this, I want to call you into it. There is, uh, there's activity, right? There are issues in the world. We're supposed to care about them. And God gives us an opportunity to engage in the real way in which we can see change. And that is by connecting with him. Intercession means to entreat. We go to God and we entreat him on behalf of others regarding issues that are happening in our world. This type of prayer allows us to engage God's work. There's three different areas, three different scriptures I want to work look at this morning that talk about intercessory prayer and who we should be interceding for. The first one's found in 1 Timothy, and it indicates this, that you should intercede for the lost world around you. You should intercede. So as you go to prayer, as you're talking to God, you should be interceding, praying for the lost world around you. The scriptures teach us that there are a couple of arenas of influence that uh, and that organize the world we live in. One of them is the world system. Romans chapter 1 talks about this, the world system. We know that the devil reigns over the world. He has a great deal of influence in the world right now. But Outside of him, he tries to influence the world system. The world system, most of the time, does not honor, believe in, or submit to the God of the universe. It does not do that. And so, we kind of live in an exceptional country which was founded largely in such a way as to honor God. To take into account what he says and thinks. That is rare in the history of the world. That's not happened very often. If you look at the history of the world and how human beings tend to organize and set themselves up, honoring God and believing in the God of the creator God of the Bible is not typical. And so we kind of have grown to expect that a little bit, which is fine. I certainly want to see our country continue to do that. But it's it's not normal. And so praying for the world system, praying for the world around us, becomes very important. First Timothy chapter two, starting in verse one, this is what the apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying to Timothy, a young pastor and leader. He says this, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peacefully and quiet lives marked by good uh, godliness and dignity. The apostle's teaching this young leader how he should see himself in the world he lives in and how he should approach engaging that world. Now, he knows that Timothy is going to make a defense of the gospel. He's going to preach and try to reach people that don't know Jesus. But he also knows Timothy lives inside of a Roman empire that is pagan, has no respect for God, no fear of God, no knowledge of God. This is the world in which Timothy lives. And the apostle says to him, listen, you need to care about that world. You need to be interceding for that world. You need to have a heart and a mind that's connected to the fact that you live in a world that largely is headed to hell. Not connected to God. Not having their trust in Jesus. All right? And so he says this is very important. This passage teaches this type of connection and awareness of the world we live in. Today we might feel as though we are maybe connected to the world In a greater degree, we have um, access to information about things happening around the world. And so, in some ways, we can understand we're more connected. The question is are we interceding? Are we praying for the lost world around us? There's kind of three groups that I see the Apostle Paul addressing in this passage. First of all, is just that praying for the lost. He says, I urge you, first of all, once again, to pray for all people. Pray for all people recognize that the world's full of people that don't know me and don't know or don't know Jesus and haven't put their trust in him. Pray for them. Oftentimes, we want to engage in discussions, uh, in conversations that might sound like arguments, where we're getting into it with people, uh, and social media provides a great opportunity to do this, and uh, I've certainly gotten into it at times, and maybe you have too, or you get sucked into a discussion and argument with somebody. It's on the opposite side. Maybe they don't believe in Jesus or they don't have faith, and you're debating with them, and you feel like you're really making a difference. And to be honest with you, there's a saying that's come out as social media has been around that is, I don't know if anybody's changed their opinion because they saw a post on Facebook, right? And it's probably true. I mean, we can feel like we're doing something, but uh, are we really? Are we really making a difference? I don't know. Uh, listen, I do it a little bit. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it, anything against it if you do it. I'm just asking you to think for a minute about what really is going to make an impact. And if you care about the world around you, if you care about the lost in the world and you recognize that the world system isn't following God and they're not not living for God and they're not doing things they should be doing, even in our country, you can get frustrated with that and begin to think, I gotta do something, I gotta say something. Before you do that, can I ask you to consider what the Apostle Paul is saying to Timothy? First, more than, spend more time praying. Men may spur, Sidlow Sidlow Baxter said this, men may spurn our appeals, reject our message, oppose our arguments, despise our persons, but they are helpless against our prayers. Do you really think that you can sway somebody, that you can steer them in the right direction? Look, we're called into that work. God calls us into that discussion, into that uh, engagement. And I love it. For one, I love it. But if I think for a minute, that my efforts, my interaction, my, uh, you know, strength of personality, whatever it is, that I can compel somebody to move towards God. I mean, I'm silly if I think that that has the most potency and power. The truth is that prayer and God and the Spirit of God are really the source of a changed heart. It's not me and my arguments. I've watched plenty of debates Plenty of debates between Christianity and atheism and all that stuff. And very, I don't know that I've ever seen or know of anybody that's, that's changed. Now I'm sure it can happen, but largely those things bolster the sides that already exist. <laughs> if your guy's the one arguing for Christianity, you think he won. And if your guy's the one on the side of atheism, you think he won. And you're not really being moved. What moves people is when God interjects himself into someone's heart and mind. God has the ability to do this. Listen, I'm just saying this. Let's spend more time praying for the world around us. Pray for it. The second group that Paul says to pray for in this, in this passage, he says to pray for government. Pray for government. He says this, pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Again, guys, I have some strong political opinions. We live in a world that is Dominated by politics. Seems like it touches everything. It's pretty hard to ignore it. It's pretty hard to stay out of it. Okay? But to be honest with you, as a pastor and as a Christian man, I get frustrated that politics seems to be the arena in which things are being discussed when I know they don't provide the answer. If you think the answers to the problems in our world are going to be handled politically, guys, Listen, politics has very little, very little power and potency, um, and it's really dictated by the people who believe and want to get involved in it. The truth is that there is an answer to the world we live in. There's a, a source of change. If you think that the leaders of our government can be swayed by us writing to them, texting them, whatever we do to try to influence them, well, sure, we're supposed to do that. But don't forget that Scripture teaches us that the heart of the king is in the hand of God and that your prayers, that God would move those who are in power and authority that rule over us, that God would move them. That's your real source of making an impact. That's your real line to have and change and to see and change. I'm not saying don't do the other. Please do not hear me wrong. I'm just saying, are we spending more time in prayer for those who rule over us? When Dr. Richard Haverson was the U.S. Senate chaplain He spoke before a group of evangelicals who had expressed their anger about Congress's inactivity on the subject of school prayer. You'll remember when school prayer was a big deal and it was removed from schools and and that created a lot of conflict and and, um, heartburn for Christians, my parents included. I think I was younger when this happened, but I remember this whole argument and debate and it's an important one. Hey, listen, uh, it's wrong that that occurred, right? I'm not happy with it and no one is. But he had a group of evangelicals who were frustrated. He's interacting with them. They were irritated that Congress hadn't acted, right? Taking strong initiative to restore prayer in schools. And to those who were seeking greater initiative from the government, Dr. Haverson asked this question. How many of you have prayed with your children this month outside of church? To which no one raised their hand. He said spiritual initiative starts at home. And that's the truth. The truth. We've got to enact the differences and the changes that we want to see happen in our own lives. That is our first and foremost opportunity to make a change. Sometimes we have this big idea. We want to change the world, change the government, change the system. Hold on. Am I I working to change my own life? Like, let's step back a minute and remember that I really only have control over myself. I don't have control over anybody else. And I can try to petition and speak up, and I should. But let's not forget that the place it all starts is in us. So let's remember that. Pray more. Enact those changes we want to see in our own homes, in our own communities, the places that we have some influence. Start there, and then we can work to see God change the rest. The third uh, group that I think we see in this text, the apostle urging Timothy to pray for, is to pray for your neighbor. We know Jesus said the greatest uh, commandment to so love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This initiative, this push to love your neighbor and to care about your neighbor, I think we see here in this passage. Verse 3, the apostle writes this, this is good, he's talking about praying for, the, for everyone and praying for those in authority, this is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. The truth is that Jesus died for the world. God the Father loves each and every person that has ever lived, is living now, and will ever live. He sacrificed himself for us. We don't always love our neighbor. I've shared with you before that I've had, uh, when I lived in Denver, God put me in a neighborhood next to a neighbor that I was called to I know this without question. I was called to be Jesus in front of them. I was called to try to influence them uh, so that they could see what it was like to be around somebody that loves God. And I can tell you that I faced constant, almost weekly opposition, irritation, rejection, uh, astronauts, just difficult, difficult. Listen, God calls us to care about people that are hard to care about. You're not hard to care about. You've never irritated anyone, right? But other people irritate us all the time. I don't know how that works. It's such a funny thing. But somehow in the, in the, in the way the world works, other people are an irritant, right? But here's the truth, that, um, that, that uh, we are called to love them. Listen, if we just have those interactions with those folks, as I did, arguments, conflict, or just, you know, fingernails on a chalkboard, we're not going to love them. We're not going to want to love our neighbor. We're going to get irritated. We're going to get in fights with them. We're going to wish they moved out, go somewhere else. But if we pray, there's a funny thing that happens. Our hearts begin to soften and melt, even when they're difficult, sometimes even more when they're difficult, because God teaches us to care what he cares about. William Law said this, there is nothing that makes us love a man so much as to pray for him. We're told to pray for our enemies. Do you know when you pray for your enemies, the tension of what they're doing towards you softens? You begin to have strength inside of that relationship, inside of that interaction, because love is more powerful than hate. That's not just a a statement out of the 60s, okay? It's not. It's out of the Bible. Love is more powerful. That's why God conquered death and sin through love. Love is the most powerful force. And so when we pray for those that irritate us and are difficult, and mostly I'm saying, pray for your neighbors, the people around you, then our heart moves. It gets lined up with God in his heart. This has got to happen. Otherwise, we will not handle the relationships that God has put us into the middle of. We won't handle those correctly. We won't handle them right. We'll handle them in our flesh, in our sin nature, and we'll end up not representing God. The answer is pray. So pray for your neighbor. God cares about him. He wants to see him in heaven. God's not willing that any should perish, right? So you and I shouldn't be willing that any should perish either. We should long to see those, even those difficult people come to know Jesus. As you pray for the lost world and the world system around you, you should pray also for those who are serving to get the message of Jesus out to the world. There are individuals that God has gifted and called to fill specific roles. Uh, for many of them, he's asked them to step into a life of service to the church, to the kingdom of God, to the advancement of God's work. These individuals uh, require our support. We've got to have their backs when it comes to praying for them and interceding for them. You should intercede for gospel advancement. That's something you should be praying for as you live in this world. Romans 15 we see again the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome regarding this. Um, The Apostle was one of the first, if not the first, missionary called out, right, by by the new church in Acts. Paul and Barnabas were selected by the church in Antioch to go on mission. And so here's the Apostle Paul, a missionary for the first church in the first era of the church growing, and this mission work was intentional, strategic. The church saw it as an initiative and a way in which to fulfill the great commission that Jesus had commanded them to do. And so here's the apostle Paul writing in Romans 15 to the church in Rome. This is what he says, dear brothers and sisters, I urge you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to join in my struggle by praying to God for me. Do this because of your love for me given to you by the Holy Spirit. Pray that I will be rescued from those in Judea who refuse to obey God. Pray also that the believers there will be willing to accept the donation I am taking to Jerusalem. Then, by the will of God, I will be be able to come to you with a joyful heart, and we will be an encouragement to each other. Paul is a missionary. He's saying, listen, I need your support. I need you guys to pray for me. Here's some specifics. Please pray for these specific initiatives that I'm trying to accomplish. They're integral to me accomplishing the work God's called me to do. If you look through the New Testament, Apostle Paul asks for prayer frequently in in his books to the churches. He says, listen, I need support here. Sometimes he prays for strength. He recognizes that he has an opportunity to do some things as a missionary, as a gospel advancing man that, that the churches don't have, and he's asking them to support him we have to do the same thing. We must be involved in interceding for those who are out there that God's called sort of on the front lines engaging the work of God. We all have a responsibility to engage the work of God. We all have the responsibility of uh, making a difference in our work, where we work, where we live, where we play, to be the message. You know, we've been talking about, we recognize that. But we've got to pray to support those who are called out. It makes a huge impact. Your prayers will make a difference in the success of those individuals. One of the examples of this we see found in Acts chapter 12. The early church is growing and spreading. There's opposition to it. Started in Jerusalem. That persecution started with the Jewish people. It also began to be picked up by the Roman um, rulers who persecuted this new fledgling church, this movement that was growing. In Acts chapter 12, we see a story where King Herod Agrippa who was a ruler over Israel, began to persecute the church again. A couple different waves of persecution. In Acts chapter 12, we learn that he had um, arrested the apostle James and he had put him to death by the sword. And the Jewish people were ecstatic. They loved it. And so King Herod Agrippa said, I'm going to keep doing this. So he arrested Peter, the apostle. And so here's Peter sitting in prison, hands chained, Four sets of four guards watching over him, and he doesn't know what the future is. He can only assume that this could be the end of his life and the end of his ministry. Yet in the middle of the night, while he was asleep, he feels something on his ribcage, a little pain. It wakes him up. There's an angel standing over him, and the angel says, get up, Peter. Peter gets up. The chains fall off. He says, put on your robe. Get dressed. Put on your sandals and your shoes. He does. angel says, follow me. He begins to walk out of the prison. The doors open in front of him. They walk past the guards, right? And and they walk out onto the street. Peter thinks he's having a dream or a vision. He doesn't think it's real. He gets out into the cool night air. The angel disappears. All of a sudden, he kind of comes to his senses. (laughs) This is real. I'm really out of prison, man. And so he goes, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to go to the home. Peter was good friends, had a relationship with John Mark. John Mark wrote the book of Mark, right? The gospel of Mark. But it was through Peter's eyewitness testimony and account. So Peter says, I'm going to go to um, Mary's home, John Mark's mother. And I, there's some believers there. And so he goes there. They've met to pray. They're praying for Peter. They're praying for other things. Well, he gets there. He knocks on the door. A little servant girl, Rhoda, comes to the door. Hears his voice. Goes back to tell the, the Christians, and they're praying. And like good, faithful Christians, they don't believe that their prayers have had that effect. And they're like, no, he can't be here. Peter can't be there. He's in prison. Come to find out Peter was there. He shared the story with them about how the angel had come. Thomas Watson said in response to this story, he said this, the angel fetched Peter out of prison, but it was prayer that fetched the angel. Listen, guys, uh, God could do his work without us. He could get his stuff done, and he'd be more effective. He'd be quicker. He'll have less problems to deal with. (laughs) It's so much easier if he didn't have to work with us. Come on. I'm saying that about myself, not you. I know it'd be easy, you know, working with you is easy, but working with me can be tough. And so here's the thing. God chooses anyway to work through us. He says, I'm gonna get my work done through you. And he invites us into the process of serving with him. One of the areas is intercessory prayer. Going to prayer for those who God has called out. So who are some individuals, groups, that you should pray for, you should intercede for, I'm going to give you some, uh, some, some groups and these are going to have individuals names that you'll know attached to them. You need to be praying for these people, interceding for them to God. The first group is pastors and elders. Pastors and elders are called to hold a role that is beyond the ability of any human being. It's an impossible role. They're asked to represent God to be an example to all the people, to keep their lives pure and free from sin. There's all kinds of expectations and it's a high difficult list to live up to. Frankly, probably without the power of God, not possible. These folks, these these men, when they step into that role, there's a bullseye that gets painted on them. And there's an attempt by the enemy to take them out because the enemy knows if he can take out the leaders, he can take out the whole church. He can render it ineffective. And so he goes after them with even more uh, effort. I talk, I'm getting to know the elders in this church. We talk frequently. They'll share at times, man, I'm, I'm getting beat up this week. I, I know I'm being attacked. I have that sense during the week at times. It's just real. That spiritual battle's real, and, it's, and what's happening there is real. And so I'm asking you to pray for this group of leaders. It's important. It's a difficult role. You might at times... Be more irritated with that group than drawn to them. Look, if you're looking at me, I guarantee that will be the case. Unfortunately. But the truth is, instead of you being frustrated with me, I need you to get on your knees and pray for me. Because God will direct me. I'm looking to him. I'm asking him to speak to me, along with the rest of the elders in this church. There's a true story I found that sounds hard to believe, but I believe it's true, because the source is good. There's a Christian leader, we're going to call him Steve kind of protect him, but he was traveling recently by plane. He noticed there was a man sitting two seats over um, who was thumbing through some little cards and moving his lips. And Steve leaned over to him and he said, hey, looks like you're memorizing something. This man was professional appearance, had a goatee, wearing a suit. The man said, no, actually I was praying. And Steve said, well, I believe in prayer too. And the man said, well, I have a specific assignment I am praying for the downfall of Christian pastors. Steve said, I would certainly fit into that category. Is my name on the list? Man said, not on my list. (laughs) Listen, I, I don't know what that's about. I do know this. We have an enemy who is real. He recognizes who the individuals are that he needs to attack, and he goes after them. There's no question about that. If the enemy has people praying for the downfall of the leaders of Jesus' church, would you join in praying for them, for their protection, for their empowerment, for their boldness, that they would not succumb to those attacks? Can I call you to that? Far more powerful than anything else you could do is to pray for your leaders. Church leaders, church uh, pastors and leaders, the Bible speaks to the qualifications and to the way in which they should lead. Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew says a leader must serve. 1 Timothy says that a leader must rule. Matthew again says that a leader must be confident, but James tells us that a leader must be humble. Mark teaches us that a leader must be a man of action, and Luke teaches us that a leader must be a man of prayer. Luke says a leader must have a strategy, and James says that a leader must submit to God's will. And the truth is all of these things are true. They're all true. What what God's leaders need is, Men of God who are trying to lead in the church need is the wisdom, uh, the discernment to know when to move in which direction. These things work in sync. They work together. They seem in opposition, but they're not. The truth is it takes a lot of wisdom. It takes a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of uh, discernment to sense and to lead in the direction God is leading. Please pray for your, the leaders of your church. The second group that I think you should be involved in praying for is your church staff. Again, another group of people that have stepped in to support the mission of the church, to serve, uh, serve the body of Christ, to give their lives in that regard. Um, and they also are on the front lines and are susceptible to attack. It is one of those arenas in which uh, I've known a lot of folks that have stepped out of the secular workplace into the church and all of a sudden everything's different. And uh, church seems different. They come to worship. It's not quite the same. They kind of can see behind the curtain, if you will. Um, and there's things about church that can be a little messy and difficult, right? And so all of that can happen. Plus, it's just a different environment. You've stepped out of a workplace, which is important, okay? But the devil usually already owns those places, unless they're a Christian place of business. You know what I mean? But he has a lot of uh, influence there. But in the church, when you step into that arena, all of a sudden, different attacks, different pressures, different uh, forces pushing against you, it's difficult to walk that out. I would ask you to pray for those that have given their lives to support the mission of the church and to serve you. They need your intercessory prayer. Another group are missionaries. Missionaries are also folks that are on the front lines, and they're serving God to advance the gospel, typically into arenas where the church is not strong. There's not a lot of established work. They are susceptible to loneliness right, to isolation and the feeling of that, to fatigue and discouragement. They don't always see a lot happening as a result of their work. They're not always around a lot of other Christians that can support them and build them up. And so we need to be praying for them. We need to have their back. We need to be on our knees before God saying, God, support them, encourage them, lift them up. We have some missionary friends that our church in Denver, our little church plant sent out. They just called us recently saying, we need some pastoral care, you know. We know you're busy. We know you're in a new church. You have all new responsibilities. Would you be willing to help in that? Provide that for us. Listen, made me think of all of our missionaries. that They need that kind of support. I'm new here. I know that some of that's happening. I don't know all of it. I'm like, I gotta gotta be on point here. I gotta get it figured out. This is essential to their success. Pray for your missionaries. Uh, The last group I would say that I think deserve our prayer in terms of intercession for those advancing the gospel are national and international ministry leaders. You know that you listen to some of their teaching. You get their uh, sermons uh, sent to you. They get passed around. I see them a lot. There's some names that, that I recognize that you, you know, we're, were encouraged by their ministry. God has lifted them into an international or national position. You know that when those ministry leaders fall, the fallout is greater because of their prominence, because of their awareness. And so we need to be praying for them. Pray for their character, pray for their, uh, their personal life, their integrity. That they would stay strong. Listen, those that are advancing in the gospel are a group of people that we need to be interceding for. We need to be praying for them. Um, I'm prayerful that our church would continue to grow in this arena of intercessory prayer, going to war at a spiritual level, praying against the enemy and for the work of God, in our community, in our church in our region, in our country, in our world, I'm praying that I know we already have a a large prayer movement in our church. I'm just praying that God will continue to pull new people into that. Um, uh, I'm, I'm I'm prayerful that that happens. I know that the effectiveness of this church has happened because of the prayers of the people that have attended here. That's why this church has made a difference. And I believe that is what's required into the future. And I feel as though God's given me a little idea of some of the things and directions we've got to go in. And I know it's going to require a lot of prayer for those things to happen. So I'm calling you to pray. Five young people, five young college students were spending their uh, Sunday in London back in the mid-1800s. And so they went to hear the famed preacher, uh, C.H. Spurgeon, preach one evening. They got to the church a little early, the doors were still locked, so they were waiting outside, just kind of mingling, talking amongst themselves, and all of a sudden, the door opened, and a gentleman, standing at the door, said, hey, young men, uh, I see you got here early, would you like to come in and look around the facility? And they said, sure, we got nothing else to do, and, and he asked them a question, he said, would you like to see the heating plant of this church? And he said, well, didn't want to be rude, so like, sure. In their minds are thinking, it's July, it's hot. I mean, do we need to look at the heating plant? So um, he said, all right, follow me. And so he took them downstairs to the basement, opened the door to a large room. When they looked inside, they saw 700 individuals in that room praying for the service that night. They were seeking the power, the blessing of God to fall on that auditorium and the people who would attend it. He softly closed the door, and then he introduced himself, and sure enough, he was Charles Spurgeon. Listen, that man knew that the way things happen in our churches, in our communities, is through prayer. And he built that prayer up, that team, 700, that's a lot. That's more more people than when we're rocking and rolling, come here on a weekend, right? Um, uh, There's a prayer chapel that we've set up over here. And I would just tell you, without you don't need any permission, you don't need any reason, just if God's tugging on your heart to be a part of that, if that prayer room's open during our services, there's nothing I would appreciate more than to know there's some people in there praying that God would move in a powerful way here. People come in here every week, People, new people, people trickle in. I've had people come in from a long ways away and say, I need to hear from God. I know God brought them here specifically to deal with an issue in their life. Look, God uses this church In that way, would you please pray? Pray for this church. Pray for those who are working to see the gospel advance. As you pray for God's work to be done throughout those who are taking the gospel of the world, you must also not forget to intercede for those that you love. You should intercede for those that you love. We know that there are ministry leaders who have given their lives to save the world and neglected their families and and reap the consequences of that we've got to remember that praying for those we love should be at the top of our list john 17 is one of my favorite chapters in the bible jesus prays for his disciples he prays for us those that would come after his disciples believing in their message i love this chapter you can see in it the heart of jesus for his people he says, God, you've given me some of these uh, individuals on the earth. They're mine. You gave them to me. I love them, and I'm praying for them. Some of the things that Jesus prays for in this chapter can inform our prayers for the people that we love. Just a couple of verses out of this chapter. Verse 9 says this, Jesus praying. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in the world. I'm coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name. So they will be united just as we are. Verse 20 says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Jesus praying for those that he loves some things that I can highlight from this prayer that we can pray for those we love. First of all, Jesus prays that the lives of his disciples would be filled with joy. He says this, I told them many things while I was here with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. Do you know that the difficulties in your life, the struggles, the health issues, the relationship problems, the marriage strains, the difficulties with your with, uh growing your business, or making it, surviving, all those things, can be softened. The pain, the sharpness of the pain can be softened a great deal if your life is filled with the joy of the Lord. It is immeasurable, the power of joy. When God's joy enters your life and dominates it, the things of this world grow dim, They do not have the impact on our lives to pull us away from God, to uh, cause us anxiety, worry, fear. It is lessened. lesson. So Jesus prays for his disciples, knowing that they will engage pain and difficulty. He says, God, fill them with your joy. He also prays for their protection. Verse 15, John 17. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. One of the big mistakes that we make in parenting is when we try to protect our kids from pain and suffering and difficulty because then we slow down their maturity. Now, we all know that's true, but I have as hard a time as anybody at watching that happen. It's hard to do. Jesus prayed in that regard. He knew that we needed to face opposition, pain, difficulty, struggle. He didn't pray it away. He just prayed for protection. Pray for protection so that we can grow strong and not weak. So that we can walk through the fire and have faith that our God will walk with us through it. He also prayed for peace. He said, I pray that they will all be one. Just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. He knew the power of peace. Again. Our church, our families, our communities require unity and peace in order to function in a powerful way, in order to make a difference. Jesus knew that, so he prayed for peace to dominate our lives. Not strife, not discord, not arguments, but peace. He also prayed for salvation. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. He said, I want them to be with me. We pray for the salvation of those we love. Will they really come into a relationship with Jesus by faith, trusting in him, knowing God? It's proper and correct for us to pray that way. Job, the first book written in the Bible, the oldest book, Job prayed for his children. He offered sacrifices on their behalf in case they had sinned. He prayed for mercy and forgiveness that God would overlook their indiscretions. I told my children when they were young that I was praying that if they went into sin, if they Entered into sin, which I knew they would. I said, I'm praying that you will be caught very quickly because that I know will stop you. It'll be a deterrent. I can't know everything you're doing. You can tell me the right answers all the time. You can hide things from me, but you can't hide from God. I'm praying that He, knowing what you're doing, will intercede and and you'll get caught. 18 year old Hudson Taylor one of the famous missionaries of our time, wandered into his father's library one day and read a gospel track. He couldn't shake off its message. Finally falling to his knees, he accepted Christ as his savior. His mother who had been away returned from her travels and Hudson went to tell her the good news. When he started to tell her that he had made a decision to crush Christ 10 days ago, she said, I already know. 10 days ago on the day that you're telling me you read the track, I was in prayer for you all afternoon. I interceded for you and prayed to God for you, and I didn't stop until God gave me assurance that you were going to put your trust in him. Listen, there's a lot of things we can do that have a little bit of an effect. When we intercede, when we pray, when we go to war in the spiritual realm, things change. Heaven and earth are moved. Will we engage? Will we intercede? Will we grow our prayer life to the point that it is powerful and strong. That when we pray, mountains are moved and we see God show up in our world. There's a story told... of John Hyde, who was a missionary, a man of great faith, and he was inspired by the prayer of Jabez. You know, the book came out by Bruce Wilkerson years ago about the prayer of Jabez. It was kind of controversial. Some people thought it wasn't really what we should do. Other people thought it was great. But this missionary, John Hyde, was inspired by it. He began to pray with more confidence, faith, and the belief that things would happen. They started to call him Praying Hyde. That's how he was known, as a man who would pray, talk to God. It's what he did. Dr. J. Wilbur Chapman Once wrote to a friend about a story of Praying Hyde and his influence on his life. Uh, This Doctor Chapman was trying to start a work in London, in England. He was starting uh, trying to reach that region, that area, that city, and so he started having meetings. Well, when he started, nobody came, and so uh, it was discouraging. Well, after some time, he got notice that Praying Hyde, the missionary, was going to be praying for his meetings. Well, pretty soon after he began to pray, that, those meetings began to grow. Filled this small room they were in, trying to get a preliminary group together. So when they had their first public meeting, he issued uh, an invitation, shared the gospel. Fifty men responded to Christ. After the meeting, this praying missionary, Hyde, was there at the meeting. And Dr. Chapman said, I'd like you to pray for me. Would you pray for me? Well, they went down into his office. Uh, the missionary opened the door and immediately dropped to his knees. It was silent for five minutes. Dr. Chapman said he could hear his own heart beating. He could hear the heart beating uh, in uh, the missionary. It was silent. After five minutes, um, uh, the missionary said uh, something like, oh God, just acknowledge God's presence. And he was silent for another five minutes, just, just sitting there before God. The, the, Dr. Chapman um, felt the power of what was going on. Tears began to fall down his cheeks. He understood that God's presence was coming into that room. And after a time praying, Hyde began to pray for him in ways he'd never experienced, with a depth, with a piercing power into his life. And when he was done with that encounter, he knew that God had been in that room and that he had been prayed for. Listen, you and I can walk in that same path. We can have that kind of prayer life. You can pray with power and effectiveness. You can know when you get on your knees in your prayer closet that you're connecting to the living God, that he hears your prayers. He longs for you to intercede on behalf of our world, on our governmental leaders. If you want to make a real change there, quit posting as much and start praying more. See what I'm saying? Get on your knees and pray that God will move. That's how things really change. We can begin to see an impact grow. Now, some of you know, and this church has prayer warriors in it. I know that. I can feel it. I can sense it. I can see, based on what's happened through this church, that that is the truth. But there's always a need for more. Would you become one of those intercessory prayer warriors? Would you grow in your ability to pray? Would you spend a little more time? Would you spend a little more focus? Would you make sure that you're interceding as you pray, as you grow that, your faith's going to grow your power in prayer is gonna grow. Your knowledge that you're connected to God when you pray, that it's not just you lobbing prayers up to him, but that he's in the room, he's there. It's as though you're in his presence before the throne room of God and you're, you're going to him in a powerful way. Let's, let's go to war in the spiritual realm. Let's pray for our church, for our community, for our world. We'll see God move. God, thank you so much for calling us into a relationship with you. God, we pray that you would move in our hearts in this direction. Thank you for giving us the privilege of walking with you, of learning to care about the things you care about, of learning to see the world the way you see it. God, would you you raise up an army in this church of prayer warriors who are able to move heaven and earth to see your will done, to see your kingdom come. God, move us as a country out of this time of crisis. God, I pray for restoration of our economic system, of our social systems. Father, I pray for health. I pray against this virus that it would disappear by the power of your name. God, bring us into a season of health. We know you've walked us through this season to bring us back to you. Now I pray for a season of harvest. God, move in and through us. We pray this in Jesus' name.